Peace, y'all. Real quick, I want to say thanks for listening and for sharing the show with all your people. We really appreciate all the love y'all have given so far. And if you haven't done so, make sure you subscribe and comment on the show via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. We need all the digital feedback we can get to move us up the podcast food chain and get more people hip to who all the fly kids are. Again, if you haven't already done so, go right now to subscribe and comment. Yes, write words, leave a review, all of that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. However you listen to the show so we can keep the content flowing. If you made it this far, I haven't fast forwarded past this message. You've mastered the virtue of patience. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Welcome back, All the Fly Kids Show. We're on episode 47. We're getting closer and closer to episode 50, 52. Either way, we're getting close to the year mark. November 15th will mark a year that we've been doing this. And um, a lot excited. of podcasts don't make it to this point. I know. A lot, a lot don't. And people don't realize, <laughs> especially with scheduling. Right. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I've done this. Matt has done this before, so you know we're no we're no uh, amateurs here. But the scheduling, that shit's difficult. But yeah, nonetheless, the, the people side. <laughs> I'm your host, Geronimo knows here with Backpack Matt. What's up? It's always good to see Backpack Matt because I'd be like, man, where's Backpack? Yeah, Matt? man, I've been be on tour. Week? I was on tour, man. <laughs> California dates and all that. But I'm back. We got super videographer Ryan Gordon in the building back there, editing something. <laughs> that's what we do at the fairground shop if you're not on the mic you're creating something you do absolutely something. always working uh but today's guest you may not know her by face but you definitely are familiar with her work i know if you're on social media and you're based in dc you've uh looked up this hashtag seen this hashtag the brand is strong uh, that's not the hashtag but i'm just saying but yeah the brand, the brand is, is strong. strong that's a good hashtag though yeah, that's Jesus and Mero though. So I can't oh, that's really this? Take okay, that. yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. We're not, we're not gonna bite. We're right. not gonna bite. But um, you've seen this hashtag. Um, it's responsible for giving you a one-stop shop to see all that's popping creatively in DC mm-hmm. on all sides of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, all types of things, you know, whether it's visual art, music, fashion, walking down the street, minding your business, and you see something <laughs> cool, uh, 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 food, whatever, parties, mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, but Without further ado, this is the One for the City episode with Morgan Hungerford West of A Creative DC. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you for coming. Me. Glad to get you in here because, as I said, scheduling. Scheduling. <laughs> scheduling is quite difficult. Period. Um, but yeah, how you feeling today? I'm good. Good, good, Thanks. good. So, <laughs> as with everybody, we got to start from the top. Tell everybody where you are from. Okay, so I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm from across the river. Mm-hmm. What part of Alexandria? Kind of in a neighborhood that was between neighborhoods. It was between Warwick Village mm-hmm. and um, Delray okay. and Beverly Hills, so like down Glebe Road yep. area. I like Delray. Yep. I like Delray too, yeah. I, lo- I love that whole neighborhood. I love Alexandria. Alexandria in general. Yeah, I don't spend too much time there anymore, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but... Um, and then uh, when I was older, I guess like after I, I went to college, uh, my parents moved into my grandparents' old house, which is right by Minnie Howard and TC, so like more okay. in the middle of the city. TC Williams was the first high school I ever seen with a parking garage. 
like a whole parking structure. <laughs> right. I was like, that's what I said. Don't they get all the funding? Because it's the only <laughs> they're high the school. Only, in yeah, it's Alexandria. the only public high school. Right. Yeah, everything else is private schools. Okay. And it's so funny. I actually, I've been meaning to look this up for the last few weeks because it's come up a few times. People are like, oh, you went to TC. Like that place was big. And I'm oh. like, yeah, there were. 2,000 kids in my graduating class and everyone's like no and I'm like I don't know is that's that a, right no that's a lot <laughs> that's because I had well, 200 I, in my graduating well, that's, class I'm like am I crazy was it 2,000 the whole school but like when I was when I was in ninth grade we went to ninth grade center mm-hmm. and Minnie Howard was like right. it was you know my dad went to grade school at Minnie Howard mm-hmm. but you by the time ninth, right? yeah, yeah exactly yeah. by the time I got there it was only for ninth graders so I'm like uh. well if we had our own school then maybe I need to look it up. I'm just like, I don't know a lot of people I graduated with. Right, <laughs> I'll just right. like let okay. it let right. it lie at that. Okay. 2000 is a pretty good percentage. We started off with 900 at Flowers, and by the time we graduated, it was like 450. Okay. 50% success rate, which uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, what it my is. high school, Oxon Hill, has I been around since 1925. And <laughs> I don't know how many people they started with then and how many people <laughs> they pushing up out of there now. But I know... I was lucky to see 200 people out of my graduating class because we had some heathens. Shout out to public schools. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Public schools are not so bad. Not so bad at all. But, okay, so you moved over near T.C. Williams. Uh, your parents took over your grandparents' house. Yeah. And then from there, when did you end up in the city? So I moved into D.C. in 2005. Okay. Um, and I've lived in the Adams Morgan neighborhood the entire time. Wow. How, um, how has that been? It's been really interesting. Adams Morgan is a neighborhood that... I mean, I feel like all of D.C. is, I mean, all of D.C. is just changing. And mm-hmm. I feel like Adams Morgan in particular really felt a little more static, mm-hmm. I think, for kind of a long time. And really, it's only been, I would say, and I guess like the last five years that you're seeing like major construction projects yes. happen. And like, the you know, our gas station was taken out and mm-hmm. then, you know, condos and retail went in. And, and, and not that that hadn't existed prior, because mm-hmm. obviously like, you know, 18th Street is definitely... Big developed is like <laughs> you know it's like we have a Starbucks but I will say I got Popeyes now we now have a Popeyes which we are all very <laughs> very and, excited and about and pizza yeah we are getting an and pizza <laughs> and and pizza it kind of falls in with you know it's interesting because you know we have our Popeyes which we love we have Starbucks we, you know we have there's a Safeway we, we're, we're very blessed to have a, several grocery stores within mm-hmm, walking distance mm-hmm. um, but for the most part most of the neighborhood is is locally owned in terms of businesses which Mm -hmm. i really appreciate and Mm -hmm. i'm glad to see that's kind of stayed the same over the last 13 years now yeah almost 13 years Mm -hmm. that i've been there wow yeah i know it's like dr jekyll and mr hyde as far as that neighborhood goes yeah (laughs) daytime is one thing nighttime is just like who done it it is Um, it's so interesting too because when i first moved in i mean you know it's been h street you know rock and roll hotel like kind of that development has really been 10 years so yes. it's been interesting how that has changed adams morgan and right. new street and kind of where people go and mm-hmm. don't go mm-hmm. and it's the city it yeah. just changes every 10 seconds let alone every year well i know a lot of people because i know i remember the first time i learned of you well your work because i didn't know your name i didn't even <laughs> know you were the person behind it but i put two and two together when instagram came around and, I, and then i i learned of your work with a creative dc and i saw the name panda head morgan i was like is this who was behind Panda Head Magazine? So that's when I first learned of your work, pa- oh, Panda Head wow. Magazine. Cool. So I know that's a throwback. Yeah. It's Thursday. <laughs> Hashtag TBT, <laughs> throwback is. Thursday. And so I remember when I first learned of Panda Head Magazine, um, I said, wow. And this was like 2008, 2009, I had learned of it. Um, I was like, this is something that DC like 
greatly needed. But after once I saw it like kind of just like fizzle out, I was like, well, maybe it was just like too large of an undertaking or something to to produce it at the level that you wanted to. Because like I was like, I didn't see anything like that highlighting. Um, pretty much what you're doing now with A Creative DC. So I'll let you tell people what Pain yeah. Head Magazine was all about. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if we've talked about that. Thanks. Exclusives. That's, that's neat. Yeah, yeah really. Drop exclusives I do my here. research. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I think I'll even back up like a little, just a few years prior to that. So 2006 is like when I started working online and working in new media mm -hmm. um, and all of my projects. And I, I, I always kind of qualify with this because it's so easy now. I just have this like sentence I can whip out. I'm like, yes, I've been working in new media since 2006 to mm -hmm. promote, you know, creative culture in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. The elevator like, pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and mm -hmm. it took so long to kind of hone that. But really, it's it's my my reasoning behind all of it is just like, oh, sometimes I would look around and I try to see like a certain portion of D.C. that I felt like I knew and I was seeing everywhere, but I wasn't seeing it online. So. Mm -hmm. I started a street style blog in 2006 and like loved it, loved the format it, until I didn't love the format. I mean, you guys know, it's like you've done 49 episodes of this. You got to keep it fresh for yeah. yourself and you right. got to figure out how to kind of like reinvent things within the Bro. format. I'm, I'm currently doing that like as we're talking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's all about like evolution and like figuring out what your parameters are. And mm -hmm. if your parameters aren't what they need to be, you can shift them. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the great part about working in new media. Right. So. Um, I kind of within a within probably 18 months or so of starting the street style blog, which is called Panda Head Blog. Um, I was like, you know what? I feel stuck. Like also I started a street style blog and like I'm not a photographer, <laughs> like I'm not a street style photographer. Mm -hmm. I was really kind of leaning into um, all this other editorial content. So I was doing a lot of interviews and I was really just kind of wanting something that was less. Um, you know, like I didn't want to have to post four times a week. Yeah. So maybe let's just figure out something that I can still kind of show this side of DC mm -hmm. that I'm not seeing and how do we do it in a different format. Um, and it's so funny, I feel like we're gonna keep circling back to this. It all comes down to schedules. Yeah. Um, Panda Head uh, Magazine was so awesome. I had a bunch of really amazing um, partners on that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think, I think like kind of a big part of the reason um, that we didn't continue doing it forever. I think there are a few different reasons. I mean, one is funding yes, <laughs> for right. certain. Yes. Um, and then the other one is just, you know, people's schedules change and not everyone's available for everything. And we're still, you know, I'm still, you know, two of the people who I worked on it with, I still see like several times a month. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really fun. And the format for that was really, I think when we started, we were like, yeah, we're going to do this quarterly. And we're like, we can't do this quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> you figure three months is enough time to prepare. Yes. And you're just like, we need like a whole year. You do. <laughs> and like everyone had full-time jobs and, um, but yeah, so it was just, we had an art magazine is kind of what, you know, I, I don't know if I called it an art magazine for the first couple of issues, but that, that is what it was. It's just, we knew a bunch of people who were just doing stuff mm -hmm. and we didn't necessarily have a platform. We were all like young and mm -hmm. the internet was kind of like what we had access to and, right. you know, no Washingtonian wasn't calling and right. being like, hey, we'd love to, we'd love to feature what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had to, you know, bootstrap it on your own. Yeah. Right. Exactly. What was what was the engagement like back then? Um oh that's a good question. It was really interesting. We had um I feel like when I so to kind of kick that back again to the street style blog, like that had a really that had global readership. Word. Um and a lot of it had to do with just like the network of street style blogs. Like everyone was promoting each other. So like mm -hmm. we had a sidebar with like, you know, fifty other street style blogs in it. We were on fifty other street style blog wow. sidebars. Okay. Um so it was this really like collaborative right. community. Yeah. Um, 
And then with Panda Head Magazine, it it definitely started skewing skewing more local. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we kind of you know I I I will say I I've never been afraid of like sending out a press release or kind of like sending an email and being like hey I'd love for you to check this out mm-hmm. no pressure. But um, we did always do that with every issue and not just um, not just with local media. You right. know we would email people who had blogs in London or we would email you know people at you know, if we could scrounge a New York Times email address, <laughs> like right. there was never any hesitation about sending right. it that way. Those aren't that hard to find, by well, the especially way. back <laughs> then. Especially back then, you had people's email addresses right there on the contact info on the contact page, right? So yeah, the masthead exactly. is your friend. Right. Totally, when you're trying to source contacts. It really is. <laughs> I know. Never, ever, ever be afraid to email like <laughs> anything that At you all. find online. Yeah. Um, so, and we had some national press for that, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, because again, the point of that was just looking around and being like, you know, no, nobody's talking about nobody's talking about this. Right. And even in the city, you're finding people who just kind of like are having trouble accessing, and they still are. So in the midst of all this, were you doing this full time, or were you working a full time job? Yeah. Okay. So when I first moved to DC, I worked at Baked and Wired. I was a barista there for a year. I know Baked and Wired. Yeah. Huge cupcakes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The cupcakes. They were smaller back then. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was working there, and I was like substitute teaching at TC Williams, mm-hmm. uh, or like within the Alexandria City Public School System, um, and I was working at a vintage shop, and then. I was like, oh man, like I, I need to get like health insurance and yeah. <laughs> like yeah. be an adult. Real here. life sense. Yeah, man. really. My parents were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, pull it together. Like, okay. So um, I started working at Anthropology. I like found this job mm-hmm. on Craigslist mm-hmm. and it was really formative for me, actually. So, like, I kind of had an interview and I was, I think I was just, again, I was just like, I need a job. So I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Women's wear manager. Cool. I like clothes. I've been working at a vintage shop. Like this, this will be fine. So I went in and like interviewed and the woman, I like, I'll never forget it. She had this like super thick Southern accent. She's like, listen, they're going to try to make you operations, but you are not operations. You are visual. And I was like, what? (laughs) I like didn't even know that was like a thing, you know? And so she's like this, there's a job open at Tyson's. Like you can, you can work on the visual team. And so I went out there at holiday and I spent, you know, two months sitting in front of a sewing machine, like sewing snowflakes, like paper snowflakes. And I've just like never been happier. (laughs) (laughs) So you just got thrown into visual merchandising and and, and management and doing the window. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then I stayed there on and off for like seven years. So I wasn't at Anthro anymore. I moved over to Urban and I uh, moved into a a store in the city, which is great because you know the gallery place or the, uh, the um, uh, one in Georgetown I was at both actually okay. so I started at the one in Georgetown and then I was at the one in gallery place okay. um, and it was amazing I mean it's funny it's like I mean I think just with all retail I mean I don't even I don't want to say anything bad but I do think like corporate retail is kind of like get them in young and like work them and burn them out yeah. and then hire somebody else yeah. who was their age when they started yeah. and I hung on probably like way longer than they ever <laughs> thought <laughs> Super senior out here. Yeah, I'm like grandma at like age 30. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what I was doing the whole time. And I definitely, I mean, there were a couple times where I was like, you know, because I've always, always had a full-time job and always had a ton of side projects. Mm -hmm. And it's always been a lot to balance, but I've always figured it out because I think we all figure out, we all figure it out when it's like what you want to be doing. Um, So I, yeah, I mean, all my projects have kind of always been like funded from like that portion of it and 
you know, there's sometimes I'm very lucky, like the personal projects and like the work stuff. Sometimes there's a lot of overlap, especially mm. I, when I started working for myself, everything was kind of like swimming around in the same pool. Um, but definitely during the anthro and urban years, it was a, it was a hard stop at urban. And then I'd come home and I'd like get on my desktop because <laughs> of the early 2000s. And what, <laughs> so what was your, what was your major in college? I was an English major. I actually um, got into art school when I graduated, or before I graduated high school. Um, but, and I, I, I don't always talk about this, but since we started out with like the high school conversation, I didn't graduate high school on time. Hmm. I was like super truant my senior year. Um, <laughs> Sounds like me. Yeah. Getting out of there by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> So I was it was a really big bummer, but I had to like forfeit my place in in art school in Boston um, Which ended up being the best thing that ever right. happened to me because mm. you just never know and you ended up Substitute teaching back at TC. I so did. Everything comes full circle. Right? Yeah, so. exactly. It's wild So I um, spent a little time I had finished in night school and was like working in a restaurant mm -hmm. and then Did community college here and then community college um, in Harrisonburg, Virginia mm -hmm. and then did the, you know got my associates and was able to like transfer in nice and finish it a shout out year. to nova yes <laughs> shout out to the nova. number one community college <laughs> system in, in, the, in the country i love them oh really yeah i yeah. didn't know that it's great okay so for panda head and after you decide like, okay i'm going to put this on hold over here did you just like take a break from doing anything creative or did you just immediately jump like okay i got another idea we're gonna do this <laughs> in creative dc we're gonna start building this up quietly and then we're going to just break out yeah well it's so it's 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 wildly astute kind of that you know when you're talking about that 2008 2009 period because there was definitely like a there was a break after mm -hmm. that and so that was kind of when so i will say this when i i i totally like burned out mm -hmm. when i was at urban and i was just like i didn't know how to work i didn't know how to like protect myself you know what i mean i was just yeah. like ah this is crazy i can't work here anymore and they they were so generous and they were like okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so like I worked one day a week and I was like, well, this is fine. Like I've got all these side projects, like I'll just monetize them, yeah. which is like so dumb. <laughs> like it's wonderfully intentioned, but I'm like, yeah, I'll just figure out, I'll just stop working one day and right. then I'll figure out how to monetize this stuff the next day. Right. And then I was like, wow, what was I thinking? Right. Like it just doesn't work like that. Like, yeah. What were some of the hurdles that immediately hit you? Cause a lot of people who have that intention don't know what they're getting into yeah i mean really it's just like i thought i had like saved up money but then i continued to like live the exact same way that right. like i had been living without like yeah. money coming in i got um i applied for a grant um from the dc commission of arts and humanities yep. and was so grateful to have received that um because then it meant that the I didn't have to spend money on my projects because yeah. I tend to just do that. Uh -huh. <laughs> and but when you have a paycheck coming in direct deposit, right. like you c it's fine, yeah. you know. Subsidized, good to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was this really awesomely creative. It was just like this amazing time. I, I think I didn't. I think I wasn't. I went back to substitute teaching, mm -hmm. so I had like a little bit of income. But really, I mean, I was just like. I was just like making stuff yeah. with my friends and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I have no money. My parents were like, yeah, that sucks for you. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> like, again, what are you doing? Get back to work. And I was like, <laughs> eh. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you do. So you, so I went back to urban. I was like, listen, like I fucked up and they were like, we, it's totally fine. Okay. They were so generous. And like, I actually, I didn't even get the job I had back. I got like, I got my own store after that, which was, and I was like, you know what? Like, this is like, I, like these, I can't, you know, I was like, wow. Like I really, I owe it to them to like do the best job that I can possibly do. Mm-hmm. And even if you're, if you're not working, you know, money shit is hard man it's like if it's it's just hard it's hard to build back up and so i was just like all right head down like this is it i'm not doing anything else so mm-hmm. there were a couple years where i was just like super i don't even want to say career focused because but i was just super like i'm just gonna do You're just gonna work i'm just gonna be the best visual merchandiser i can possibly be yeah right. yeah and it turned out i wasn't that great at it and not even necessarily like again like I really loved the job I I loved like the visual element of it but it's just like I was just not maybe necessarily set up to work in that particular environment like Mm -hmm. me and that environment were like never going to achieve ultimate success together so I I think a lot of people I know myself I've reached that point where like you know I was very diligent conscientious with my work you know management loved me but I was just like the money that I'm making is it's not even enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to work today. I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm going to get it done. You know, and so I could definitely empathize with yeah, you there. Yeah, I was like so miserable by the time. I felt like I had gotten, and I had so many, you know, that's the wonderful thing about working in a place where it's just like, you know, it's like everybody's young and you're all, you know, there's there's a lot of friendships there and that can really kind of help sustain right. things like longer than mm-hmm. you think maybe it can um, or should. But by the time I left, I mean, yeah, it was like my stomach hurt all the time and I like didn't feel like myself. Yeah. And and that's nothing to do with um, the company. And I, I, I'm eternally grateful for like the lessons that I learned there. But it was just time for me to go. OK. And so when you left. What was the next move? Okay, so I kind of took the lessons that I learned before. So I just saved up like a ton of money. And I also, again, with Urban being ever generous, I was like, can I stay on one day a week? And there again, they were like, yes. <laughs> so this time and I was I came in at 6 a.m. for like a year and a half mm-hmm. on Wednesday mornings. And I like put marked things down on sale. So I was like the former merchandiser coming in and like doing that, which was like always very funny. But I was like, you see, guys, this is what I've been angry about for three years. You just got to do it like this. So it was like (laughs) kind of a funny situation. Um, So I did that and I got a job. I worked at um, Beer Beer Baron, which I still always want to call Brick Skeller. And I checked IDs there one night a week. I had like some friends who were working there and I picked up like some admin jobs. So I had um, a family friend who had a photography business. So I kind of helped her with like scheduling social media stuff and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, like updating the website. So I realized like I'm not going to be able to just go into this and kind of like monetize (laughs) what I've been doing. Like I need to create like a little bit of like an income support system yeah. absolutely yeah. so i did that um and then i mean from there like i really i guess like the first year i really kind of focused on doing kind of the same things i had done at urban so it was a lot of like installation type things for events or like you know somebody was like i'm having a wedding like can you help with this and i would be like yes perfect um byt um so i used to you know they're dear friends of mine the the folks who found Brightest Young Things. Yes, Brightest Young Things. Thank but you. For those who are unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, and so they um, then and, uh, and now as well, like they, you know, a large part of what they do is they produce they produce events and mm-hmm. partnerships with like large institutions in D.C. So it's really interesting. I actually feel like they don't get enough credit for getting a lot of 
people um, who may otherwise not pay attention to the local things that we have here, kind of like into the Museum of you know Women in the Arts yeah. and all these things. So are they still doing the uh, the the Hershorn events? Yeah, they okay. yeah. I love that space. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite museums. And it's such period. like a pleasure to go any of these places after hours. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of like a big thing of what BYT was doing was offering this like access uh-huh. and. They would throw, a lot of times they'd be throwing parties with like lasers shooting out of like <laughs> blow up cats' eyes. <laughs> and like that was like kind of their thing. Yeah, they were doing some wild stuff. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> but every once in a while, Svetlana, who's a founder, she'd be like, we just needed to, like, we need to appeal to women. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of like when I would come in and help and it would right. be us like on a ladder hanging string lights. And okay. um, so that was really helpful. Um, it was, you know, that that was really kind of what the first year looked like and then after that um i you know the next few years kind of were i kind of just transit transitioned into consulting so really Mm. i picked up all my internet stuff you know because you you do have a lot of time to sit and write notebooks and plan when Mm. you're checking ids at a bar and you know just kind of you know it's just like i I gave myself a lot of kind of headspace that i really had not had Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I started, I picked up my blog again. I, you know, I figured out how to take photos because that's something that I hadn't done <laughs> prior to that. Um, and you just kind of all of these previous years of internet knowledge kind of all of a sudden started adding up to something and adding up to something that like I could market and sell as a service and a commodity um, that I never would have expected that would have happened, mm-hmm. but that that is what happened. And, you know, I think with small business in particular, like my, my, my parents were small business owners in DC. My grandparents were small business owners in DC. I kind of inherited a lot of, um, or I guess like picked up kind of a lot of, you know, what, what that takes mm-hmm. in terms of marketing. And what were some of the businesses that they owned? Um, so they were printers. Okay. So they had print shops okay. um, or a print shop. Um, they were in, when I was really young, they were in Blagden Alley. And so they were there okay. for like 40 years mm-hmm. until early 2000s or 99 late 90s um actually and yeah, black denali's just off of uh ninth street like literally you make a right yeah <laughs> and you're there and there's actually stuff back there which is wild yeah <laughs> so they're at ninth and they were at ninth and m mm-hmm. um 1228 ninth street so right across now from where the new i still call it the new convention center right. but so yes. when the convention center construction started happening mm. um that's they were on like a month to month so they had to move um okay. but the business was the business needed to be moved, so they had to find another another space. Um, so they had a warehouse um, on Shannon Place, southeast in Anacostia, like mm-hmm. right over the bridge. Um, so uh, what's over there now? Um, the uh, the the Anacostia Playhouse. It's on Shannon Place. It is. You know what? I don't know. Last time I was there DC was Lottery Commission. The, I don't know. I you know what? <laughs> One I of those are back. I there. haven't gone back in that cut. I haven't gone past the big chair okay. <laughs> in that direction in yeah. a little while. Yeah, one of those are back there on Shannon Place. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar and the, with the, the street. And the old police warehouse or whatever okay. it was was over there okay. too. Yeah, so they were in Anacostia. And yeah, I don't know. I just always remember like, you know, my dad. I mean, it was always like kind of very hands-on because like when you're just a small business family and they, were, they, they didn't have like a ton of employees, it was literally like just them. So mm. we'd be like, you know, finish dinner and like wash your hands and like help fold holiday cards. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. That's like what it was. Um yeah, so I just always remember my dad being like, oh, yeah, we're going to – I printed this new card, and, like, you know, we're going to give it to all our people, and, like, it'll drum up some business. And, like, I just kind of, like, remember a lot of things like that. And I don't know. It's just kind of be able to apply that to, like, the Internet space. So getting your hands dirty, trying new things, and just putting yourself out there, that was no – that was nothing new for you. 
Yeah. Okay. But you yeah. also got to see firsthand, like, even if it was back then, what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? It's interesting, yeah. I mean, I still, my dad is such an unbelievable, like, a- asset yeah. to the world. Right. <laughs> but also just, I mean, it's so helpful when you just have people around you who you can talk about stuff with. And even though he doesn't, you know, he's never worked in this, in the industry that I have, he's still just like so unbelievably helpful. And I'm just like, uh, I'm stuck here. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Do you have any ideas? Cause he will, cause yeah. he just gets it. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I say this all the time, but it's just like all jobs are the same. Yes. I, I believe that essentially at, at, at the core. Yeah. If you just scale it all the way down. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm rambling here, and I apologize. No, no, no. You're not podcast supposed to be doing. You're not rambling. This is this is a semi conversational okay. podcast. This isn't it's 2020 conversation ish. You know, it's not 2020. It's not 60 minutes. It's you know, right. <laughs> I, I thrive in the the ish yeah. environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's I think a lot of times, you know, when you say like, oh, I'm working for myself, or like I'm a consultant. You know, and I think like. The question is like, or I don't know, the response is kind of like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, wow, I wish I worked for myself. And I'm like, but you have to understand, like I don't work for myself because mm. I'm not writing my checks. So like, no matter what, like you are like beholden to someone. Absolutely. For a living. Yeah, or multiple for, like, stakeholders. Income. Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. you have to answer to. Absolutely. And especially when you're kind of working for yourself or right. you have multiple clients, it's like, there's just like, there's a lot of different people who need to, who need to be answered yep. to in order you to sustain and Absolutely. that paycheck might not always come back on time no it certainly does not definitely no. not when you're working for yourself definitely not you know hurry up and wait but just wanted to pay our respects to the legendary combat jack uh reggie osay um for being a pioneer in the, in the podcast game and being really the first black podcast that are really uh, to take things serious and and you see how the game is today and you know he paved the way for people like g and myself to step on the mic and have an audience. So, you know, right now he's currently uh, experiencing stage four of colon cancer. We just found out this week. So our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. And hopefully he uh, has a speedy recovery and comes back to us as soon as possible. We love him. So from all the Fly Kids show, that includes Geronimo and myself, as well as Ryan, uh, we want to say thank you and we hope you get well. Okay, so when did a creative DC. When did you officially launch that? So that kicked off um, in t- January of 2015. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just coming up on three years. Yeah. Coming up on three years. All right. And um, for those who also don't know and have never decided to go to the website, um, <laughs> a creative DC rediscover DC through the perspective of its creative community. A creative DC it's emerging, established, and diverse DC perspectives across new media, showcasing and acknowledging creative community and our local creative economy. Your life looks good here. <laughs> see, I went to the website. Y'all should go too, because you can see even more things that, that you can find on the website. Like, uh, I look at it as just like a one-stop shop, as I said in the intro earlier, you know, for like all things that are happening across the city creatively in different mediums and different uh, uh, disciplines and what have you, and um, I think that's necessary. Um, it's like a library almost, you know. Um, I, I say, on top of that, um, two of my favorite projects that you have, um, DC is real, which um, I'm gonna read the tweet that you um, included in that, in the whole <laughs> list of tweets, and what that is about in a second. But also the a- anthology series, the um, the portrait series, um, where you feature a lot of the um, 
creatives in the city who yeah. are just moving, helping move culture in different ways. That's one of my favorites too. You know, thank you for taking part in the last. Thank one. you. Another yeah. shameless plug. I was in right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, so <laughs> that was <good>. slick. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure. Do not think that I asked Morgan to come on just because <laughs> I was included in some of her stuff. <laughs> She's got going on, by the way. You know, I've had plenty of people on the show who have not included me in anything. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, anthology series is really, really dope. Um, Samson, he um, he did the shoot that I was a part of, and he made me look good. Yeah, he's made, amazing. Because otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know what the, I'm gonna do my, my my same pose, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But now nah, it was cool. But um, so the DC is real campaign. Um, that happened. I remember I saw you throw that out there on Twitter, and so this happened leading up to um, inauguration, correct? Yeah, when, about um, ten af- days after before. Donald Trump had made the comments about draining the swamp or whatever, and so you decided like no there's real people who live here and live here regardless of what general i'm not general um, administration is in is in office you know what i mean and so you put this out there you sent out a um a, a google form for people to just fill out like okay what is dc to you you know yeah. so dc is filling the blank so i mean there was like there's tons of like well it's got to be like at least a hundred different tweets and things on there and, and just responses on the, on the site on the site page but um i mean i even said DC is the place having the greatest social impact on my life as a youth. It's where I returned as an adult to apply all I've learned to help strengthen the culture we have. You know, and I, I've, I continue to see that as I my contribution, that. you know, having lived elsewhere and come back. You know what I mean? I recognize that there are gaps that need to be filled um, and that not all have experienced what I have. And so I'm going to give back in that way. You know, and I thought that was really important because, um, like you, like you said, you know, people live here. Real people live here, and people should know that. You know, regardless of who's in the White House. Yeah, one million percent. You keep nailing it with like the intros to projects. I'm like, and Geronimo said it all. For you. <laughs> 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 if I continue talking, I'm just gonna fuck it up. But I am gonna continue talking. Well, no, I mean, even like thinking about how, you know, DC has somewhat of a pride issue that I've observed over the years. You know, like. Some people just like, no matter what, it's like, DC is the best, it's the greatest city ever. You know, you can't tell them anything different. Then you got the people who are like, DC's great, but, and you just gotta, and then you got people like, DC sucks and I'm stuck here and ah, I wanna leave, I can't leave, ah, you know what I mean? Um, and <laughs> totally. I, I think it's important um, to have campaigns like that too, to get conversations going about that, you know? And like with there being such a push to, to build the creative economy here, um, individually and through like government efforts and things, um, you hear more about that and you see that. You see like some of the the, the challenges that we experience just even as a community yeah. um, and different individuals and even just knowing like how to access resources and like how to best promote, um, you know, strengthening your your creative output, all of these different things. I think there's just so much that, I mean, it's so, I, I just feel like I, I kind of, quickly descend like into cliches oftentimes but it really is like we are absolutely stronger when we're sharing resources and we're sharing experiences and we're sharing thoughts and I do think like you know this is something that I didn't identify you know kind of very early on with my projects but I think my projects have gotten stronger and had more more impact they've been able to reverberate a little more once I kind of realized this and like fully embraced it but like Mm -hmm. DC is just a place 
that just requires so much perspective mm-hmm. and it requires a lot of context and a lot of that and I, I don't know I don't know how it is in other cities you know mm-hmm. like I've traveled a little bit here and there but like I, I've only ever lived here I've only ever seriously considered living here like mm-hmm. I don't want to go anywhere else and I, I sometimes worry if that's if that's to my detriment I mean like you said you know it, it is really helpful to kind of go somewhere else and like kind of bring that perspective back but I mean I think I think of DC as like the most I mean, it's so complicated in like such an amazing way and like in a way that you really want to immerse yourself in and like know more about. And I love the fact that I will live here for my whole entire life Mm. and I'm not ever going to know every single person in the city and I'm not ever going to have access to like everyone's perspective. But in order to kind of go back again, it's like you have to continue to change your own parameters. Like you have to keep yourself interested and you can't do that in a bubble. So I feel like whenever anybody's like, oh, DC's boring, I'm like, that's on you. Yeah, like, yeah that's a fact. It's just, there's so much going on here and there's right. so many people and like, don't tell me that you're walking down the street and you know everyone's everything. Like, yeah. you just don't. And if you're going places and you're only saying the same people all the time, like, you're only seeing the same people, it's just, that's, again, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Like, go somewhere else. Like, I don't know. It's so, it's just, I, I just love the city so much and I just think like, I don't know. And it, it, again, it's like a very Pollyanna kind of situation, but I'm like, right. no, like, but let's all talk. This is great. I, I'm <laughs> glad you said that. I'm going to bring up a question about that in a second. But, Wait, Matt. but yeah, but D.C. isn't siloed, as we all know. So even though you, you know, I think it's it's noble to, like, look forward to living here your whole life. You know, it's not like you're going to be around the same people your whole life because it's such a transient city. Like, we don't have to leave, technically. I mean, people come to us. Yeah. We're just one of those cities. So yeah. it's helpful to have, like, that duality of people who are here holding down the fort as well as the people who are going out and also coming back and, and bringing forth other perspectives. So I totally yeah. agree with that. I think you're so right. And that is what is so interesting. You know, I think, like, you know, we are Washington, D.C. Like, mm-hmm. we can't operate. Like, we're a small town. Like, right. we can't kind of have that mindset. Um, and I say that knowing, like, most of everyone I know in DC is like the most progressively minded people but I mean Mm -hmm. but still like we need to embrace that like people are going to come from other cities with new ideas and they're going to add to our creative culture and which is all good yeah exactly it is which which is all good we're a global city and we should you know I feel like we it's helpful to embrace that kind of like at every level so let's segue into critical place theory (laughs) critical place theory three things you love three things you hate about the city you live in you can start with good or the bad (laughs) okay and I did struggle with this for that the exact reason you just said is like I have such a hard time Hmm. I mean I can hate all day long but I have a hard time like (laughs) I mean voicing it even I I mean look everybody's got something they dislike about where they live you know even if they love the place okay all right I'm gonna do my best here okay so I'm gonna kind of actually skip around between that's cool the ups and the downs um so the first thing I love is proximity. Mm-hmm. So I mean that on like a couple different things. Like you can you can get things done. Like there's only 680,000 people here. You know, we're not like living amongst millions and millions of people. If there's somebody you want to know or like something you want to do or something you want to check out, like you can do that. Yes. You know, you can just like, you can email somebody. You can text somebody and get the number from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like everybody here is kind of accessible, which I think is really, really nice. Um, and that's also helpful I mean, it's just helpful for a lot of reasons, but I think especially like when you're starting out, like I had access to a lot of people who were like way further ahead than me and I could just kind of like be where they were yes. and like kind of check, that was, I mean, that's that's amazing. Um, also, like you can get around pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you live in a location where you're not necessarily like walkable to like other quadrants or whatever, like 
I like the fact that like you can be you know a lot of times I will find myself in like northeast northwest and southeast all in one day and like that is like a very cool thing for me and that's Uh why I don't live in New York (laughs) 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 um so okay my second thing and this is both an up and And down. down okay okay um so the the whole DC is small thing. So I know that kind of contradicts what I just said. <laughs> like everybody's accessible, but again, it's like DC is only as small as you make it. So like if you are kind of choosing not to open yourself up to other perspectives or like you know new experiences, um, again, that's that has a lot more to do with you mm-hmm. than it does with the city. Um, man. Okay, yeah, and then I guess on the other side of that, DC. I'm messing up. <laughs> I had this so planned out when I was like in the car on the way here. I was like, I'm going to nail this. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's only bad. I don't really have a good one for that. Okay. I guess that's the other thing. All right. Well, <laughs> let's just keep on going. It's all good. A good, a good thing about I'm ruining your show. Good thing about DC being small. Yeah. I mean, well, I, well I, you kind of answered that with the first one. I guess I did. Yeah. Proximity. It's, okay. It's, it's easier to build rapport with people that you like, but aren't necessarily like in your immediate circle, right? Yeah. Because you could just exist in the same spaces together. You guys are cool. Well, I appreciate it. And and the more and the more <laughs> popular do. you are, the more people you know, the more I'll say this: the smaller the city becomes. Right. Like, exactly. I mean, yes, technically sp- speaking, the city is small compared to some other major cities. You know what I mean? While we are a major city too, but like you know, was ten square miles, six hundred eighty thousand people. Like, you know, it's small, but it is helpful that it's a global city, and that so many people and so many things come through here. We're considered a major market in that regard. Absolutely. You know? And I think if I can, like, maybe throw in a petty complaint, it, you know, it, it is, it's totally possible to, like, spend an entire day and not see anyone you know. Yes. But well. chances are, when you go out of your house, like, you're yeah. going to run into somebody. Yeah, you go outside, Absolutely. you're going to run into somebody yeah. you know. Unless right. you just don't know anybody. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's, like, not horrible, but it does mean, like, you can't show up somewhere looking crazy. Right. Or like, <laughs> like be, be, be aware of your surroundings yeah, at all times. You, just, yeah. you need to be ready because yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I sometimes I show up just looking like whatever. But that's because <laughs> I don't be feeling like, I'm like, is it clean? Cool. <laughs> Put it on. We'll go. Okay. So what's okay. next? All right. So, okay. So I hate it. Okay. So DC is DC. Yes. And this is a positive thing. Like DC is not like any other city. And Correct. again, I haven't lived anywhere else, but like I've traveled right. in like, no place feels like this. Right. The downside of that is when people come here mm-hmm. and they're like, DC's great, except for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you're actually talking about New York. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, you're actually talking about LA. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, and I don't know if this is like, I don't know what this has to do with. I don't know if it's because it's a global city or because it's the nation's capital. People expect it to be like the amalgamation of every city they've ever been right, to. Right. It's just like there's this total expectation that for some reason is just continual right. like it's just this, this continually mismanaged expectation and I don't know how I mean I don't know if it, it is anyone's responsibility to manage that but I do think that like if we just can continue to like transmit more out from DC about what actually is here yes absolutely people will have a better idea of what is here controlling the here. narrative yes. yes yes exactly right and we've for too long we've kind of let other people speak on our on our behalf just from their 
brief stints here or like weekend vacation and it's not the same and also for so long dc was just known outside of like the government dc was just known for a few things like a small few things culturally you know what i mean Um, let me not say small few things they were big things but just a few things culturally so now that there's so much creatively and culturally coming out of the city you know as y'all said like pushing out more stuff to help control that narrative that's definitely going to help a lot too I think it all just comes down to the fact that we have so much more media. So if all of this media had existed for like all of time, mm. I, I just don't know if, if. Oh, it would be a different. It could be, yeah. a, be a completely different story. It's just, we, yeah, there would have been story. control over our own narrative. And yeah. it's so interesting. I mean, I constantly think about like what what do people think about D.C.? And it's like I'll get in a cab in L.A. or, you know, talk, you know, talking to a Lyft driver or something. And they're like, oh, you live there weird <laughs> i'm like no i swear right. like, i mean most people <laughs> i know who don't live here have never lived here they've only been here once and that was for the eighth grade class trip exactly. to go visit the museums and the monuments national mall you know and it. so to come back now as adults they're just like wow like i've never heard that you know i never knew dc to have this or they'll be like well i know y'all had go-go or y'all got you know hardcore Y'all got Wale, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we got music. We got music. We're doing good. We've come a long way musically and musically, music and food. But, you know, we got some work to do to get the word out about everything else that's happening yeah. creatively here. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we, we also have a lot of unsung heroes who've been in the entertainment media and m- multiple creative industries for decades. But mm-hmm. because they're behind the scenes, yes, and yes. Stuff, they're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. that spotlight absolutely you know, like a lot of people from other absolutely. regions so it is what it is yeah nine out of nine pictures people probably see of dc is like of congress right, right. you know like how many pe- how many people probably know that like dave Grohl is from dc you know right yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know that <laughs> yeah dave Grohl's yeah. like hard body dave dave batista batista the wrestler yeah uh was a bodyguard well no no he was a security guard at a club mm-hmm. in dc and then he eventually became like a WWE champion. Like now he's in Guardians of the Galaxy and all this stuff, and nobody even knows that he's from I DC. Have no idea. Yeah, that's wild. All right, so that's that's a that's an up and a down, right? Okay. So it's like DC is DC, and that is the best thing. But like, how do we get people to understand what that is? Right, right. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. My next down one, and my last one. Um. And this is like this is like a real complaint. Um, I am a really angry pedestrian. <laughs> I am like the angriest, screamingest, like throw shit at your car mm-hmm. when I am in the crosswalk. People need to learn to drive mm. in this area. Yeah. I have a car. I try not to be guilty of it, mm-hmm. but it's like very scary out here. Yeah, it's super crazy. To be walking around the city. Yeah. Or even biking. Biking. I, d- I stopped biking. I mean, it's just like... It's too much of a risk for it's you. It's just scary. It's really scary. People don't look before they turn. They just don't. Yeah. No, everybody I know has been involved in some sort of accident on their bike. And, and they got the terrifying. cool dockless bikes now, man. A dollar per hour. I rode one. I'm like, I think I'm going to do it again. But then I was riding. I was like, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And I didn't have a helmet either. So I was like... <laughs> I mean... Oh, I personally think I'm one of those people that's too cool to wear a, a bike helmet, a bicycle helmet. I never really Sorry. wear one either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like DC's so bikeable, and that is so that's something to celebrate so much. Um, but I think we just there. It's like I feel like European cities kind of have this figured out. I've started to like adopt this thing where like when I walk across a crosswalk, I point mm-hmm. at the crosswalk because apparently I read somewhere they like do that in the Netherlands or something. But like you point at the crosswalk, and yeah. that way like the cars are like more likely to 
to notice that the right. crosswalk is there. Yeah. And it works. But people get really mad. Like, I'm, like, yelling at them by, like, pointing at it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We just got to figure it out. It's we got to get a system. Because they get pissed off by all these other cars that are doing, like, all this fuck shit on the road. Yes. And so by the time you get to, like, an innocent pedestrian just trying to cross right. 7th Street or Georgia Avenue, then it's, oh like, all God. they're just projecting on you. Yeah, That's all like, it is. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I finally have this clear 30 miles an hour street and you want to stop my progress. But, well, that, know, that's how we're becoming like big cities. I'll say that. I definitely have oh, had absolutely. my share of fair, I mean, fair share of inst- incidences and uh, uh, observing people getting into it, crossing the street yeah. and turning in, 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 in bigger cities, you know. Oh, so, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as New York, like, but we have kind of caused pedestrians to like step up there like game as assholes and just be like yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> even on green lights and just crossing the street right like up well you're gonna hit me you don't want to go to jail right. do it anyway do it. anyway i know this is becoming like a therapy <laughs> <session right now. laughs> it's good it's therapeutic behavior. right right um okay and then my last one thing that i love um dc is so diy so i think like we just haven't had a lot of the resources that other cities have in mm-hmm. terms of for the creative community whether that's space or um you know, I mean, I think like there are a lot of people who have reached a lot of success, but you know, are, are are those people accessible? Do do we know do we know who they are? Do we know where they are? Like, are we able to kind of exactly. like you know? I do think um, it's not cliche to say that you know, uh, within the creative economy, a lot of times people have to leave in order to have space that's affordable yes. or in order to be part of an economy um, that can like fully pay them all the time what they are worth and. You know, that's a bummer, but I do think that, like, we've long kind of, we people have been figuring it out. You know what I mean? Like, the creative community, creative economy, exactly as you said, no matter what administration is here, it does not matter. Mm. Um, long before social media hit, <laughs> like, this Absolutely. has just been happening in the city, and the city's always just been this incredibly vibrant and thriving and amazing place to live culturally. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to continue to be like that. And, you know, I think hopefully as we get louder, we will. I hope that that results in more more resources and it allows more people to stay here. And it's coming. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I'll be glad when we, when we reach a point where, for the most part, we've gone, we've gotten past the DIY part. <laughs> um, I hope to never lose my scrappiness. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm like that real, I like the real clean, sleek, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. But anyway, um, universe has a really funny way of just having me like, like people in the critical place theory on like the perfect segue into the next question. So with talking about resources and just all these other um, points that you mentioned just now, your site, as I keep saying, cover all parts <laughs> of the city. You know what I mean? Um, you find out e- very easily who's doing what. But I hear people are still feeling disconnected. You know, um, how can we better connect creatives who represent old and new DC? And let me just preface this by saying, like, old DC being mostly black native Washingtonians, um, new DC being mostly white residents who moved here over the past 10 to 15 years. You know, we we could point fingers in the streets, online, behind the scenes, whatever. But all that's going to do is just, you know, contribute further to a hostile environment, making it more stagnant, even worse, regressive. You know, so I this is and this. This isn't just like, you know, me asking like, how can a creative DC and Morgan West do it? But like, just how can we as creatives here from all factions, how can we help be more, how can we be more interconnected 
in all of this? Yeah, um, it's so interesting. I think so much of it comes down, and I, and I don't know, the, the shortest answer is like, I don't know, mm. but we gotta figure it out because yes. I think there's, I mean, we, when we talk about the change and we talk about like new wealth coming to DC, I mm. mean, I think the entire issue is of equity and like, you know, who are, is ever, does everyone have the same access yes. to resources? And the answer is no. Right. Like unequivocally, the mm. answer is no. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think that, I mean, with a creative DC, what we really try to, and this is one part of like what it is going to be because I, it's, cities take contributions from everyone yes right and like there's no one thing that's gonna solve any large issue so when i think about it's i think what it's gonna take is everyone kind of seeing what part of it they can affect mm -hmm. and just working towards that mm -hmm. and knowing that like th there's not going to be some other project or some other person coming at it from a different angle that's going to step on your toes like we all need to like embrace it and yes, like yes. lead by example and mm -hmm. just be like this is this is like what community looks like mm. and community in Washington DC like there's nothing more upsetting to me when like you go to an event and you're like this is the creative community and this was happening to me a lot kind of like in the months leading up to a creative DC it's like you would go to an event they'd be like this is the DC creative community I'm like no this is nine 30 year old white women and <laughs> like this is like I'm sorry but like this is not mm. this is like we we it's need, we need to do better, right? Yeah, right. like this is this is a sliver, right? Yeah. <laughs> certainly. They are creatives in DC. Yes, no I, one is denying you your <laughs> like right, right. your space anywhere. Like you are not like, the only ones. Yeah, exactly. So, um, with a creative DC, you know, the change that I feel like I I can lend my talents towards affecting is creating digital access to perspectives that are different. Mm -hmm than yours or different than mine mm -hmm. or different than you know follower a b c or d right, um right. so for there you know we really tried to do a good job of making a digital space that's mm. inclusive and that people feel like they can contribute to and most importantly that people feel like they are seen yes because i feel like that's a big thing with dc is like kind of going back to like you know dc is dc but there are th these mismanaged expectations like the media that comes out of DC, again, where we're talking about like Congress being like the only photos that are out there, you know, we're looking at like 40 white men like voting down <laughs> like women's rights, right, you know what right. I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like we need to show DC as everything that DC is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, um, I mean, black media matters. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, no, like, abso absolutely. I, you know, I mean, I just think like we need to, there just needs to be diversification and we all need to be promoting other perspectives and we need to be, we just need to be doing better. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my, one of my biggest qualms is in with, with all of this is how I hate just the whole people wanting to have like clicks and it's, but in top of, on top of the clicks, cause you know, you want to have your team, you want to have your crew. Great. You know, we have a team, a crew here, but we're not trying to like, mark this territory and all the territories and it's like you can't have this and like this is all I think we gonna hold this down yeah. and that's it you know so that's something that I that is troubling to me and I think even more than just like any differences in like race or economic status or social status whatever I think that is like going to be one of the biggest detriments to just the creative economy here really thriving and that being very noteworthy beyond within the city and beyond, you know? 
Because there's still a lot of people who live in the city, live around the city, who don't even know about half the shit that's happening yeah. in the city. I mean, and that's what's crazy, too, is just, like, we can talk about transmitting out all we want, but it's just, like, our economy's not truly going to thrive unless somebody understands that, like, they can walk down the street and there's, like, an artist that they can purchase work from. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, I can, I can go to Redeem and, like, buy, like, an amazing, you know, item of clothing that, like, I would otherwise, like, go to... And this and redeem stuff is way better than like H and M. You know what I mean? But it's just like there are it is there is local for like every single thing that you want to do in Washington D.C. Like there is a local. There's a way to do it locally. Yeah, like even the number of people I know like before they shut down the store, but like number of people who didn't know that there was a Stussy store here. And even though Stussy's not a local brand, but the fact that there was an actual standalone yeah. brick and mortar space over there on Florida Avenue, people didn't know that. People don't oh. know that Commonwealth has been in since 2007. Right. You know, and they can get a lot of what they order online from this store. You exactly. know what I mean? In terms and like the streetwear, yeah. right. on the streetwear um, element or whatnot. And well, that's yeah. a big thing. I mean, it's just like it, living lo- like living locally or like, you know, promoting localism mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're wearing like handmade shoes that like, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Yes. It's like, <clears throat> no, like you can totally do everything you want to do, but you just need to be, you just need to be like aware. Mm-hmm. Aware of like where, where your money is going and also, you know, aware of where you're getting your information from and yes. like if it's not if you're not subscribing to like local you know local outlets with like differing perspectives like you just can't get all your news from cnn and like live in a city and assume that like you know anything <laughs> speaking of brick and mortar uh i went to an event at this uh quaint little spot in brooklyn <laughs> and uh it had like a creative dc <laughs> as a sign so like can you talk about that? Because yeah. it was a dope space because they, they turned it into like a spot where they had like artists performing and stuff like that. And it was like in a section of Brooklyn where, you know, people can stand outside and still see what's going on inside and kind of navigate in and out. So it was just dope. Yeah. You said my her studio? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. When did you. What did you go over there for? Um, shout out. Shout out to my boy, Brandon. Um, it was a it was a it was like a spoken word slash uh, artist showcase. And they had. Shout out to Odd Mojo. She's she, uh, an artist, upcoming yeah, DC artist who okay. performed. And this had to have been like a few like a few months ago, maybe yeah. like right before summer or like cool. d- during the start of summer. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had always known your online presence, but it was dope to see that you actually, unlike a lot of these creative endeavors, have actually stepped out there and had like a brick and mortar establishment. Yeah, it's really exciting. So I... Um and thanks for going over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that show in particular, well, I'll start. In and the there. aesthetics in there were dope, too. Mm-hmm. Like I just had to say that. I yeah. love the space. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I, um, not too long after I stopped working at Urban and started working for myself, um, I, like again, I was doing a lot of kind of like large-scale installations. Um, my dad was retiring, so they were about to be out of Anacostia, so I could not use that space anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was literally putting together like kind of these large scale like tents and all these things that I was making textile projects like in the alley behind my house Mm -hmm. and like you can't work like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so uh a friend of mine her name is Victoria she's a photojournalist she's actually living in Myanmar now like living her her living her best life yeah she really is um but so she was like hey I heard about these studio spaces um do you want to apply and I was like, yeah, and like I have to. And <laughs> this is the Brooklyn Arts Walk. Yeah, so yes. it's the Arts Walk at Monroe Street Market. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Very beautiful so space, right next to the Metro. Yeah, it's so right. convenient. Super convenient. I, it, I, so it's like that's right on the red line. I live right off the red line. So right. it's just like it's could not be a better yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so long story short, I, we've had the studio for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of this year, Victoria, 
moved um, to, to Southeast Asia, and that is like where she lives now. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, like I'm in a position where I feel like I can take this lease on by myself, and yeah. it's not like as financially terrifying as it would have been like a few years prior. Um, so I kept the space, and I was like, okay, like this is just the time to kind of turn it into a creative DC. Mm-hmm. And as with all of our kind of new media and social media stuff, like it really is all about. Um, I don't even want to say t- it's not it's not about taking myself out of the equation, but it's just about how can this function, how can this function to be practical and be usable and be something that like benefits, like kind of whomever in the community like would more or less like to use it. So obviously it's brick and mortar, so it's a little less. You know, we have to be. You know, we can't be quite as democratic with it. I think right, as we would right, like gotta, to. Mm-hmm. Um, but gotta uh, get returns on your investments since yeah. you're footing the bill for the space. Yeah, but. exactly. Um, so. Um, at the beginning of the year, I um, kind of rang up Melissa Wilkins, who is Afro Velvet, and yes. we had worked in a couple different, not even like officially worked, but like, um, you know, we did some um, kind of projects at, um, actually with BYT, so at National Museum of Women in the Arts, and um, they were like, do you want to do a Creative DC something? And I'm like, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean just us, so like, can we bring a bunch of people? And they were like, of course. So we brought um, we brought Melissa, and she did an activation, and so we kind of worked together in that capacity. We've known each other. I love her work. I think she's just doing such awesome shit and just across like so many mediums. Mm-hmm. So it was ju- I was just like, if anybody's going to be a fit to kind of like kick this off, like let it be somebody that I know yes. <laughs> so we right. can figure out what this looks like. Um, and Melissa came in and used the studio. Um, and we started out with like, we were like, okay, like these are our parameters. Like this is how long you'll be in there. And like, you know, we'll, we'll do this and you do this and, you know, we'll, work together um and that part went really well and then it got like way more loose (laughs) you know i was like just like let's just keep this going Mm -hmm. um so she was there through i mean really just until last month and so she got she did some like really cool programming and brought in like a lot of the music events which was something i had never considered doing for the space i'm just like no music won't work like we've got 25 foot ceilings like it's Uh gonna sound like shit (laughs) but like (laughs) she brought in like a bunch of uh, you know amazing people who did dope stuff in the space and she put on a fashion show and she um, had an art show and she is now kind of traveling and doing her thing Mm -hmm. across the United States which is really exciting to see but so that was like our first artist in residence program and yeah other than that I mean we've got um, we've hosted Duende District and so they're a pop-up bookshop um, Mm -hmm. with uh, books by diverse authors and they really want to be in places where they can like have a lot of community interaction so Brooklyn was perfect for that um, we're hosting a couple of pop-ups. We'll be hosting a photo week exhibition coming up. So it's just been really good. I mean, that's the thing. It's just like that space did so much for my career. Like if I had not had that space, like I would not have been able to kind of like make the advances that I had. And mm-hmm. space is something that a lot of people don't it's have high access demand. to. Yeah. High demand, limited supply. Yeah. And like I'd love for it to be, you know, I'm, so, I'm still trying to figure out what it looks like, you know, but it's just like let's just get people in there who, who it's going to benefit and, and it's the rent is is not is not insane um and so i'm able to you know just keep keep the rates low or nothing in some cases for like nonprofits and that's dope so what would you do if money weren't an issue like you had access to whatever amount of money you needed to get your absolute number one loftiest goal accomplished what would you do i love talking about my lottery life (laughs) (laughs) my powerball if you hit the powerball 675 million dollars um i would buy a building immediately Mm -hmm. and i would probably buy a couple buildings 
and then I would put people in place to run them and I would convert them and I smart would make very them, smart yeah I would make them I mean if, if if we're if we're living our best lives then I don't even you know I don't even know if they would need to make money or sustain but <laughs> I mean if you if you buy if you can afford to buy a building especially in like a in a prime part of town yeah. you know in DC that's great that's that's the ticket yeah I mean the dream would be to like have you know have something in every quadrant and then everybody just make it accessible yes 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 absolutely so four buildings four buildings that's what i need all right uptown downtown south side <laughs> all of that um really random question did you get a lot of jokes when a designer put out panda <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question um that was like a little past the <laughs> prime but yes i did get like a lot of dms and like a lot of like <laughs> I had to. I had to. I, had to throw it's, that I one mean, out it's a there. very valid question. <laughs> so, what do you think about this? Since, especially, and you know, somebody might jump on this when they hear, but you know, you already have like the structure for it. Like, what do you think about doing like yearbooks of perlatives for DC, or would that just be that cause too much drama? Like, oh, she didn't even pick me. <laughs> like, for real, them? You think they're most likely to succeed, best dressed? <laughs> I well, no. Tell them I step mean, their I game up, that. then. <laughs> right. I Stop love that. Mention. I mean, I will say, so here's here's kind of what I've realized. Like, and again, this kind of goes back to like, it takes contributions from everybody. Like mm. my strength is not, in the strength of this project is not to is not criticism. And it's not about, um, you know, I think it's really about kind of like, to use the word democratic again, to kind of like democratize visibility amongst mm. people who are established and people who are emerging. And so basically anybody who wants to use the Acre of DC hashtag, like you're gonna be just as visible in that feed as you as the American History Museum or Hirshhorn or like kind of like these larger institutions who use it. Um, so I've definitely like thought about like, oh yeah. And I think even like, not I think, I know. I mean like right kind of a few months, not a few months, but like maybe a year out of the gate where we're like, oh, let's do like kind of a thing where we have people it wasn't even necessarily like an awards thing. It was like, let's just have people like vote and we'll like talk about what people voted for. Mm. And then like, you know, we ended up just kind of shelving it for like a little while because we just couldn't figure out a way to do it in a way that would like make everybody feel great. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that like it, a community, <laughs> like a creative community needs criticism and they need, you know, they need people who are kind of, you know, helping, helping build and shape. And like, that's just not our role. Right. So that's my like, Again, I'm rambling. Tonight. No, you're not. You're not rambling. <laughs> I feel like I'm yeah. so wordy, but it's just like that. That's not necessarily our role. Like okay. our role is to he is to be like we see you. Okay. And like and we built an audience so that this audience can see you as got well. It. Got it. Got it. So what is next for Morgan Hungerford West, a Creative DC? What's next for you? So it's such a good question. I'm always like, I don't know. Um, I want to figure out. I'm still you know, kind of hammering away at the studio space and figuring out like what's the best way to use that, what's gonna benefit like the most people, how is it gonna be, how can it How can it help? Mm -hmm. Like I'm really trying to think about that because I don't think I've landed on it just yet. Mm -hmm. um, we are very committed um, to like, you know, the rest of this year and next year. Um, I, I do feel like we've hit our stride at, at least in terms of understanding what our like what our contribution is. I mean, like I was just saying, it's just like, we are here to like ring the bell in the digital sphere. I really hope that we can drive people into like real life experiences and like kind of real life understandings of like perspectives or businesses or whatever that they like didn't necessarily know were there before. Um, 
you know, I don't think we're ever going to be in a position to be comprehensive, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I do like to think that we are kind of helping provide some context. Word. Yeah. Word, word. So I just want, that's, that's the lane okay. <laughs> that we're in. <laughs> okay. All right. For the foreseeable future. Cool. Anything else? Okay. I was going to ask him. <laughs> Tell you, he, he, like, I need this guy. Cause I'll just keep on talking and I won't even like go no. deeper with the questions. I was like, everybody know. Just, yeah, just. We're doing pretty good in terms of time. So I think this is a good succinct way to wrap things up. Okay. And, but it's been very inclusive of, of it, a lot. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. I mean, this is me assuming that people should know again, but yeah, tell everybody <laughs> where they can find you. Yes, absolutely. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a creative DC. Um, you can also share your perspective on your posts and your photos and your videos by using the A Creative DC hashtag. Um, I personally am at, at PandaHeadMorgan on those same channels, but I tend to focus most of my digital energy mm -hmm. <laughs> on A Creative DC. Um, and to your point earlier, the website, um, also we are able to showcase some things on there um, that we don't get into on social, um, and that is www.acreativedc.com. Yes, sign up for the newsletter. Yes. Comes please. out four times a month. So that had kind of been the thing. Okay. Um, but I'm kind of actually kind of coming next. I'm reimagining what that looks like, too. Okay. Because, again, it's like I just want it to be the most practical. And, and again, I just want everybody's everything to be recognized. And it's just started – it's starting to get to a point where it's like I'm not necessarily able to, like, include everything that I want to include. So I'm trying to figure out – how do we do events so like people can access like a really cool diverse list of events that and i you know i don't know how do I need some interns or staff or somebody who can like you know handle all that for i know you. i have some wonderful people who work on the team with me okay and i'm like just a, i like love this newsletter so much and they they all do so much and they're so awesome that i'm just like i hold it like with my cold dead hands for <laughs> some reason <laughs> I need to get over that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again, Morgan. I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, pleasure's show. ours. Thank you. The All the Fly Kids show was powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by Backpack Matt and Ryan Gordon and produced by Geronimo Nose, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.